0: Psalm 99, verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is He. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at His footstool. Holy is He. Moses and Aaron were among His priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon His name. They called to the Lord, and He answered them. In the pillar of cloud, He spoke to them. They kept His testimonies and the statutes that He gave them. O Lord our God, You answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Father, we enter this psalm understanding that You are indeed holy, holy, holy. We pray, God, that even now that we would understand the, the weight of uh, that it brings upon a room when we enter into your holy presence. We pray, God, that this psalm would bring us to worship but would also remind us of our desperate need for your mercy. So, Lord, bless this preaching of your word. I pray your name would be exalted. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 99 begins as Psalm 97 begins. The Lord reigns. What a sweet promise it is to us that God is always in charge of of things in this world. We look around in our days and sometimes things seem chaotic and things seem unstable. And yet when we think about the Lord, we know that He is sure. He is steady. He is in control. Uh, That should give us as God's people comfort. And yet in this psalm, the, the goal of God's sovereignty, God's kingship, is not meant to only produce, produce comfort, but it's meant to produce fear. Because the sovereignty, the controlling nature of God makes us different and separate from Him. So it says the peoples tremble. Uh, other versions would may say the peoples rage. There is something in us when we enter in God's holy presence. Then it speaks about where he sits. It says he sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The people's tremble, the earth quake. Uh, this reference to enthroned upon the cherubim is probably a reference to the mercy seat that God built, uh, asked um, the people of God to, to construct in Exodus 25. There was two cherubim on the outside which kind of created a, a, a seat or a throne often known as the mercy seat. So even when we think of of God's holiness and his his power and his sovereign control over this world, him being the royal, uh, powerful king, we also see that he sits right there on the mercy seat. And you'll see this kind of woven throughout this entire psalm. It says, The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he you see that the, that is the ending of verse 3 verse 5 and again in verse 9 three times god is declared as holy and sometimes for us it's hard for us to understand what holiness is and maybe the closest measure we have in our own life is when we think about people who live a a righteous life maybe moral righteousness is is how we picture someone who is holy we even have that in our names as as saints the the Haggaios, those who are set apart, the, the called out ones of God. We, when God calls us to himself, we are no longer identified being with the world. We are called out of the world. We are separate from the world. We are holy with the Lord. And yet, that is not fully what, what the word means. It helps us understand that, that this holiness is a very character attribute of God himself. God is holy. Holy is He. When you enter into the presence of a holy God, you feel the weight of His presence. You feel the conviction of your own sin. You realize that you, like Isaiah, I'm a wicked man with unclean lips, or like Peter, away from me, Lord, for I am a wretched and a sinful man. When you feel the presence of a holy God, you are undone, because you know that you are not like him. The holiness of God is is something that helps us realize that God is far from us. Now We could talk about God being eminent and God being with us, and that is the message we hear often in our day, but God is also holy and transcendent and separate from us, because he is the king. Holy is he. In verse 4, you see this This king, this holy king, what the king loves. He loves justice. You have established equity, it says. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Again, we see about the Lord's character. Not only is he holy, but he he loves that which is holy. He loves justice and equity. Uh, This idea of establishing equity, and he is going to judge every right and wrong. That which is right will be praised, and that is wrong will be punished. But notice here in verse 4, it says, you have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. It's interesting there that the psalmist does not use the word Israel, but the word Jacob. Uh, Even as in our text this coming uh, Sunday, Malachi chapter 3, you see the same description by the prophet Malachi, not calling God's people Israel, but calling them Jacob. Why? To remind them who Jacob is. Jacob is a deceiver. Uh, Jacob is a liar. Jacob is unrighteous and unholy. He is one who is nowhere like the Lord. And it's in Jacob and the wicked, Jacob, God, should be exalted. Look at verse 5. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at His what? Footstool. Holy is He. Uh, we know from the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5, it says the, the earth is the Lord's footstool. It could mean, the earth here could mean footstool. We, we, we know that in several places in the Scriptures. But I think most prominently what this footstool is is, is also the reference to the mercy seat. It says that the, the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, is his footstool. And that's where we come to worship. So what the, what the mercy seat was, where the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant is where the, the law of, of Moses, the, the Ten Commandments were, were placed. And there was this ark that was, the, 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 uh, the, uh, a seat that was put on top, I said, with the cherubim and with the um, kind of had this throne called the mercy seat. And the reason why it's called the mercy seat is that once a year, uh, the, the, the chief priest would go into that place with a sacrifice of blood of a pure uh, animal and sprinkle blood upon that mercy seat. That was a sign that God would cleanse and forgive his people. I mean, just think about this psalm for a moment. Twice already, we, we, we see God declaring himself as holy, as set apart, as perfect. And yet we also see twice already in this psalm, God referencing mercy. The only way we can can stand God's holiness is if God gives us mercy. Undeserved mercy. We worship at that footstool. We enter His presence because of the forgiveness and the Mercy that God offers us as His people through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Lamb who was slain, who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ or, or watching online, know this, that unless you come to God through Christ and experience His mercy, the mercy that was given to you through the bloodshed of Christ, you will face God and His holiness. And you should do what the people are called to do here, tremble and quake, entering into his presence. But us as Christians, praise God, amen, that we get to enter his presence not in fear of his his holiness. No, we get to experience his mercy because we worship at the mercy seat. Because God has promised that even though you are Jacob, deceivers and liars and unclean, wretched sinners, I will show you mercy through my Son. And God will heal us. Holy is He. Verse 6, we see this picture of two or three saints who lived their life for the Lord. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who did what? Called upon his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. This is a great picture of the Christian life, is that you want to know how your relationship with God is. It's how how do you pray with the Lord? You know, I I think that we can fake our Christian life when we gather at church. We can fake our Christian life sometimes even when we read our Bible. We can read read it for knowledge ourselves. But when you go to the Lord personally and privately with, with prayer to Him, that's real relationship. That's where we really find out, what do I really believe about the Lord? We, we can't fake it when we're with Him. When we talk to Him and we, we call to Him and we, 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 we bring our, our requests before Him, what does the Bible say? He answers us. You know, I have so many times here in the life of this church where I have been overwhelmed and uh, discouraged, frustrated with what's happening, uh, and then the Lord reminds me to pray to Him. Have you brought that to me, Dave? And then I start praying for the very thing I'm frustrated and discouraged about. You know what? God answers them. He answers those prayers, and He takes away my my, my stress and my frustration and my and my grief. And He actually meets them far better than I could possibly imagine, because. God delights to answer the prayers of his people. I don't know what you are dealing with in your own life, but have you gone to the Lord to pray? You know, one of the reasons why we are frustrated and discouraged in life is because we don't often go to the Lord first. We may talk to people about our struggles, but we have a faithful friend who's ready to hear our prayer. A faithful friend. This is what happened with Aaron, Moses, and Samuel. They were those who called upon the Lord and heard his answers. They were not perfect men by any means, but they were forgiven, as we will see. This is in the pillar of cloud. He spoke to them. And he, they kept his testimonies and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord, our God. Notice the change there, right? This is the, the, the first third person, but now this is, there's a change right here in verse 8. O, o Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God. To them, but an avenger of their wrong doings. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. This is a call of God's people to worship. It's a call of God's people to to sing praises to His name before His His, his answering of of prayers. Look at right there in verse eight. It says, "O oh Lord, you answer them." Again, a call to us to pray. Uh, Beloved, one of the reasons why we confess our sins each and every week is because we have many sins to confess. Uh, We know that if you are in Christ, if you confess your sins one time, God hears and forgives you, all of them, past, present, and future. And yet, God wants a relationship with us, and he wants us to remove the things that that cause a, a, a discord with him, and he wants us to confess our sins to him. So we do that corporally every single week. We have a time of confession And then what do you hear? You hear one of our elders stand up and say, you are forgiven in Christ. Your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been rescued from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the beloved Son where you have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. God demonstrated his love for you while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Beloved, we want to hear that gospel every single week because we desperately need to hear it. We need to be reminded that we don't have it all together, that we are not holy, that we are not righteous, yet in Christ. But notice here, it says that God just doesn't forgive, he also avenges. He's the avenger of their wrongdoing. Well, we know that how does God avenge the wrongdoing? The shed of blood. The shed of blood that goes on the mercy seat, that points to the shed blood of the Lamb of God, who hung on the cross, taking our sins. Sunday night, someone came up to me after the service, and we were talking about grief and mourning over our own sin during the Lord's Supper. And um, this dear sister said, you know, one of the things that I do when I'm tempted to sin is to think, no, this is one sin that Jesus will not have to die for. This is one sin that he won't have to pay for on the cross. That was, that was comforting to me. Those of you who are, are struggling with sin, turn from it. Because your sin, our sin, led Jesus Christ to the cross. He paid for it. But every sin we don't commit, he doesn't have to pay for. It. He doesn't have to avenge. There's two aspects of this text. One is to know that those that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Uh, he rose again. And because of that, we who were in sin have been changed. We are now saints. We are now set apart with God. Uh, We are not right with God because of our own efforts. As we read, as Bobby said this past Sunday, it's not because of our own works done in righteousness, but because of his mercy and his mercy alone. Not in me, the song that we just sung. And yet it also says that God's an avenger of of their wrongdoing. Listen, beloved, if you sin against God, there's still consequences in this life. God may forgive you, and you may be wiped clean and cleansed eternally. But that doesn't mean if you sin in this, in this life that God is not going to avenge you. He's not going to discipline you. He's not going to chastise you. Friends, we want to live a holy life. This is what God calls us. He who calls us is holy. Therefore, should we should, as God's people, should be holy in our conduct. Because we want people to what? To see Christ. We want people to see our lives, see our our holiness, our joy, our love, our gentleness, our peace, our patience, our righteous living, see through us to see what? To see our holy God. So that they could say, holy, holy, holy is he. And then they would realize that they need mercy, mercy, mercy. This is what we see all through this passage. We see mercy in Verse 1, of the cherubim enthroned in the mercy seat. We see mercy again in, in verse 5, worshiping at the footstool. And again, we see mercy in verse 8, the forgiveness that God offers us in Christ. And because God is holy, 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 and God is, because God is merciful, 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 we should do what? We should exalt the Lord our God and worship. And worship him at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is is holy father we pray that we would understand those two realities of who you are that you are indeed holy 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 and god you are merciful 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 god help us see those two realities tonight we pray in jesus name amen